What's up, beautiful people? I'm Nathaniel Pearl. And I'm Sammy Sheva. And welcome to Curious Chimps Podcast, a show where we explore the infinite complexities of the human experience. We do not endorse anything illegal. So please, consult the doctors, do your research, and for the love of all that is holy, be safe. All right, let's talk about drugs. Curious, curious, curious chimps. Funny topic though, because my real name is Alexander. My mom just calls me Sammy, and okay. it's been like that my whole life. It's not on my birth certificate. It's like a strong nickname that's just kind of stuck with me, which I find out means like elevated. So it's yeah, kind I, of I, 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 Sam, you think Sammy means elevated? Something like that, yeah. Okay, because Alexander is my second name, and um, it means I love that name as well. It means helper of men. It's a very powerful yeah. name. Wow. Yeah. Nice. It's a it's a big uh, shoes to fill for sure. Helper of men. Oh, yeah. Oof. Yeah, that's a Help, protector or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I always hear that. But so, I, we, we were wondering because I knew you as Nick Gabriel. And then I see you have like a different last name or something. And is there like a story to that? Or is it? Is it sure. Like, yeah. So, yeah, Nick, Nick Gabriel was just basically, I don't want a stage name is probably uh, not the right expression. But uh, when I started the, the London Real project with, um, at the time, my, my partner on that, Brian Rose, um, I just wanted to, I just wanted a fresh start because, you know, like using an assumed name, you can kind of push the boat out a little bit, you know, like there's no baggage and you can, all, it's also, I don't want to say you can hide behind it a little bit, but it's a kind of a little bit of a filter between yourself uh, and the rest of the world. And I really wanted to take, I really wanted to take London Real in a specific direction that was built around authenticity and, um, and and how do I put it? Like I just wanted to do some crazy stuff. I wanted to really like push the the limits of what I could as as a human being. So that's why I thought like well, might as well use like a different name, fresh start. Interesting. Mm. And then uh, I guess now it's back to what, how do you pronounce your last name? Yeah, so it's Gregory Addis. Gregory Addis. Okay. Gre- Gregory Addis. Yeah, it's a tough one, man. I, I tell you guys, <laughs> I got so much shit growing up with that name in South Africa as well because like it was very unusual to have a European sounding surname like that. So people just didn't know what to do with it. They just, they couldn't process it. You know, <laughs> it was wild. I just wanted to say briefly, um, going on your journey from when you started London real, when you were in the beginning stages of with it, with Brian, um, you know, when you're, uh, when you're looking into the psychedelic realm and you're looking about just getting into it and reading Terrence McKenna, seeing Dennis McKenna and seeing all these guys, and you're looking at these names, you, I have to give you some credit because uh, the beginning of my journey was a lot about that podcast where you guys spoke about your first ayahuasca experience, and mm-hmm. I gotta, I know it's it's not you to thank, but the message kind of transferred through you to me, and I, I just want to give you appreciation for you being so vulnerable and expressing your journey because that started my journey, and then wow. yeah, man. So I just I want to put that this out there. A great compliment, brother. Yeah, <laughs> it was, I still, I mean, that was. I still to this day, that was almost eight years ago, but to this day, I still get messages from people saying I watched that and it was, um, it was, it was moving. And it was the weirdest thing is like, that was, it was a truly extraordinary experience that fucking Peru 2012 end of the mind calendar ayahuasca ceremony. That was really like, I have not been the same. I, I often tell people my life is divided into two sections. It's before that and after that. And when I, when I came back to London, and I was going to go, um, and Brian and I were going to talk about it. I, I knew it was going to be 
an important message to get out there. Something just told me, you know, in, in life, when you have that instinct that, you know, something is going to really connect with people or resonate with people and it needs to be shared. Yeah. And, um, and I, and I was right. Like it, it really, something, something flowed through me in, in that and it's, it's, it's helped some people. So I'm, I'm really happy about that. Nathaniel, thankful. Thanks for letting me know. Oh man. Thank you. And thank you to the mother plant that finds its way to give its message to everyone, which is, mm-hmm. well, I mean, everyone who's looking, but it's, uh, it's a, it's a humbling teacher. It really is, man. It really is. Yeah. I've only done one ceremony and Nate's kind of like the father of my experience. So you're kind of like the grandfather of my experience. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, when are you guys, uh, when, when are you going to do your next one, Sammy? I actually was just about to message someone a couple of days ago and, I, and I've been kind of hesitating. I, it, it might be in a month or two, but it's, uh, I, I jump back and forth a lot between do I really need to do this? There's a lot of information I have. I need to integrate. I need to apply. I think this might take a few months, but it might take a few years. There's so much I have to work with, so much intellectualization that I can turn into experience. And it's a slow trickle for me because it's all been up here for so much of my life. And at the same time, I hear I hear Nate's voice or I just hear this kind of like, for better or worse, like a different voice saying like, just go for it, man. You know, the, the, the set and setting, that ceremony, is very powerful. Even if I decide not to, to, to drink, it's a beautiful place to be and uh, a powerful thing to to promote or to, uh, what's the word, like, to, like, they deserve every penny, every, they deserve every, mm-hmm. anything I can give to them, they deserve it. So, so there, cool. I feel like there's no harm. So Yeah, I agree. And also, if you, I really love that image you created of the, you have all this in, intellectualization that has to trickle through into experience. And if we use the the analogy of, uh, it, it's it's not the best analogy, but it's probably the best one we have of how your brain is is the analogous to the computer hardware and, and the the thoughts or, or these, the, the language, the thoughts and, and all your experiences are kind of like the software that it's running on. Um, the thing that I've noticed plant medicine does is that, especially if you're someone like yourself, who I, I presume takes in a lot of content and reads a lot and is constantly studying and, you know, the, your, your hard drive can get cluttered, right? And then plant medicine kind of acts as a defrag. Um, and, and to me, that's one of its most powerful um, features. So, yeah, man, I reckon just go for it. Don't think twice, just do it. <laughs> that's what I've been saying. <laughs> defrag the hard drive. <laughs> That's, I love that point you just said about defragmentation because that was my first ceremony. We're going back to 2017, I believe, um, when I was finally looking for ayahuasca for so long. I was planning a trip to Peru, and luckily we found the most incredible place he, in our local area. I'm not going to out them too much, but it's not, not too far to travel, which was incredible. And um, I remember my fr- we did two night ceremonies and the first night was all cerebral and it was just like laying out everything in my life in front of me to, to kind of pick at and understand and untangle all these knots that I've had for years. And it was so psychological, I wasn't expecting that. And then the second night was only physical. So it was like literally divided the mind and body separately. And that was, yeah. it was like the first night was defragment the mind and then the second night was fix the body. So it was just like, maybe five hours of purging <laughs> that's cool yeah um, yeah i mean yeah I, I love that you used the word um untangling because to me that was uh, it's the funniest thing i went home to south africa about 
I think it was three years ago I was there for the summer. And uh, every time I go home, there's a kind of a theme to me. Like there's, there's, a, there's something that I've got to go home to do. And on that theme, I remember the, there were these things in my mind that I wanted to get right about, you know, who I was and, and my upbringing. And I remember I, I do kiteboarding, a little kite surfing, some people call it. And I hadn't done it for a while. And I laid out the lines on the beach. It was time to go. The wind was blowing. And, and I remember I was laying out these lines and then they were all tangled up. And I was standing there, like untangling them. And I, I remember I just burst. Like I had this understanding okay that's what i'm here to do on this trip is is untangle just untangle these psychological kind of um i don't want to say issues but yeah just just get my psyche kind of untangled and and to me i really appreciate that, that you think mm. about it in the same way yeah man mm. it's it's what it does and what i realized is because when i had that visual layout of my life it was showing it looked like vines like it, like i was looking at my life like as if it was a giant tree of life and all the branches were moments in my life that stem from one branch to another mm. that leads on to where I am right now. And then when I started going closer towards each branch, I started seeing knots, like branches getting stuck together. And those were patterns that maybe were formed at a younger age that were negative patterns used for suppression that carried on my whole life. So it was such a, an ins insane experience seeing each thing and be like, oh my God, I've been operating on this pattern up until now without even realizing it. So she, the mother plant, ayahuasca, just started untangling each one. And some of it was uh -huh. painful, you know? Like some of it, you're like, holy shit, hold yeah. on, hold on. But you just trust the experience and then it just slow. Oh, there's still knots to untangle, but it really, sure, it started the process. It just blows my mind to, to think of, of like, so what you've just described to me you know, we all have these knots, all of us, right? No matter how spiritually evolved or how much work you do on yourself, like everyone has those knots. And yeah, they are painful to unravel sometimes, but just the thought of having them, you know, like for me, if I know they're in there, I want them out, right? Like I, I don't want knots in my psyche. I, I want my psyche to be functioning efficiently or functioning at its peak, like everything else in my life. I want it, I want the best possible experience, right? So when I, when, you know, there's people in the world that will hear this discussion and they will still not want to do ayahuasca. And to me, like, after hearing that, how could you not want to do it? How could you not want to have those knots untangled? Yeah, it's, That's a good point, it's fear. It's really, it's terrifying to look inward sometimes, especially if there's things you've been covering up. And you might not even know it at the conscious level what you're hiding, but there's just like this this gut-wrenching fear. And I've I've had it too. There was moments in ceremony where it was really terrified to go, but I knew the more scared I was is the more I needed it. Sure. You know? That's a, that's a good one, yeah. I honestly, like, I had had experiences with other psychedelics, and I, I think that gave me more fear because something like mushrooms or, or salvia can be, like, I call it a washing machine, and it can be mm -hmm. kind of, like, intense and exhausting. And... Maybe ayahuasca has a bit of that, but it seems like the experience is very so much from one experience, from one ceremony to the other, from one person to the other. And then when Nate told me, because he has done a bunch of them and I only went once and the resistance I had the first time and the resistance I still have now, he told me to my surprise, uh, I, I still get scared. It's, I'm still scared. Like it's as if it's the first time. You just never know what you're walking into. And mm -hmm. it's, it's just like 
I guess I was just being naive. It was funny. It was kind of, it was like mm -hmm. cute in retrospect to think mm -hmm. like I, I, I gave him this credit, like something I'm not capable of, you know, like he has this, uh, this fearlessness. Like he's just like done so much inner work and it's like, it's like, no, he just knows that it's beneficial. And it's like, a, it's a, maybe as simple as a cold shower. It's like, it's not going to be fun, but it kind of is fun. It kind of gives mm -hmm. you this reward after and there's this thing on the other side. And it's, it's, it's like we talked about intellectual as opposed to experience, like you, you just do it. And, and I, I, I have to say, actually, I wanted to ask you before as well. Like I had a very good experience and I feel like I undid a lot and a lot of it just kind of comes back in an instant, but, but there was this momentum, you know, I had this, I had this like a uh, seat that I didn't have before this comfortable ability to observe. I had like this, this, something something relaxing you know had had developed and i feel like i felt like it was a lot of momentum that i may have wasted a little bit but i won't next mm -hmm. time because i i went through it but you were talking about how you had one specific experience and you can say that it's kind of like a, a turning of the page like you really felt this this chapter sure. shifting and i've never had that in my life in my entire life i've always felt this this continuity of myself and I would just love for you to expand on that and maybe tell me if there's like a formula to that or does it just kind of bonk <laughs> you on the head? Like, I feel like it's impossible. For yeah. Me. I feel like it's never going to come. Mm, yeah. So uh, the first thing is uh, drink more is what came to home. I drink more ayahuasca. Um, <laughs> the thing that happened to me was, um, you know, we, we did it at this this place in Peru, this, and I had done ayahuasca once before in London in a very small private ceremony with actually just me and Brian Rose. And, um, that was, you know, it was an interesting experience and it definitely did, it did some stuff. And I, I definitely, I, I don't want to say it was hugely profound, but it, it was, it was a good experience, right? And it, it started to open my mind to certain things. And then I went, when I went to Peru, I mean, this was just, it was like a level several orders of magnitude more intense because the actual mixture that this guy was making out there, um, it was no joke. Right. And also he was, he was quite an intense individual who kind of, his whole thing was, we've got to go through the darkness to get to the light. That was his, that was the, the his prime directive, right. Is, you know, this is not an airy fairy, like light and love type experience. It's like, let's fucking go down into the depths of hell to fucking rescue you and then bring you back out into the light. So that combined with the fact that his actual mixture was very potent as well. I mean, I found out at the end or not at the end, a few weeks later that his mixture had uh, Datura in it, right? Which is fucking, it's poison. It's a fucking poison, right? It's a very strong um, poison that, that I mean it causes you to black out and it, it fucking causes you to have total loss of your um like discombobulation loss of your your muscular system and uh and it really did that you know like at the the final night even on the first night I was fucking at the end of the ceremony I was lying in a heap on the floor just kind of just out of it but the final night was so powerful for me because I took a double dose and I also Going into it, I was like, this is the big one. I mean, I remember I was terrified. I was the whole day before I was like, this is, this is, first of all, it was December 22nd, 2012. So it was the end, literally the end of the Mayan calendar. It's the, it's the day after. I kind of, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm tempted to, or I'm inclined to believe because of the nature of the 
kind of person I am, that there was a meaning behind that. You know, there was something to that, some kind of power or some kind of interdimensional portal was opened or there was mm. some kind of, the veil between the worlds was especially thin on that night. Wow. But also we had been drinking ayahuasca for like 10 days leading up to this, getting ready for this ceremony. And um, we'd been dieting and probably were probably a little bit malnourished at this point, you know, so your, your brain chemistry starting to get a little bit wonky. But I also knew, I just knew, I just fucking had this instinct. I remember the whole day, like I was, we all were told to go, okay, tonight's the last ceremony, it's a special one, go spend some time on your own. And I remember like, I was, you know, I took that to heart and I went and meditated in them down by the river. And I remember I was terrified. I was like, this is going to be a fucking big one. Like, I, I don't know what's coming, but this is, this is it. I just knew it. And then in the ceremony, like, Truth be told, I don't even really remember that much of what happened, but I went so far beyond my normal state of consciousness that there's a there's a a, a, mystic, uh, a, a mystic slash magician, some people call him, called Gordon White. Um, he's written several books and he's a very intelligent man. You can you can find several of his podcasts online, and he says. You know, if you if you want to get the most out of life, you have to have this experience of what he calls becoming invincible, right? And now it's very important that this isn't confused with the idea, the egoic idea of I'm invincible, like no one can beat me. It's not that. What this experience, the becoming invincible experience is basically just showing you that there is more to just life than your physicality, right? There's, there's something more. And to me, that, that, that was that invincible uh, experience for me like I just it went it took me so far beyond what it is to be a normal human being and in control of your senses and, and understanding language and knowing what the sun is and knowing what the ground is and just having all these reference points of what it means to be human that the human experience I can never look at it in the same way again for, for two reasons the first is that I can never take it as seriously as I used to take it because I know it's not all there is to it. Yeah. And then secondly, I also really, really fucking appreciate it, right? I appreciate what it means to be human. So for me, that was, it was just a hugely profound experience. And I, I hope you have one of that magnitude, Sammy, because life's definitely been better since then. Yeah, man. I, I, I think that's what I need. I, I've heard, you're echoing something I've heard a couple of times and lately also so it's almost like the synchronicity is like building up and and nate's actually talked about something similar and i see something not so poetically like in the eyes or something but but like in the action and in the way these people are living their life you guys the way you're living your lives with this extra like i i not i don't give a fuck but like like i give a fuck but i don't give a fuck what happens like i'm gonna give it my all because I know it's fleeting, but I've touched or experienced something immortal, if you will, or like, sure. I don't, yeah, and I haven't. So for you to say, and for Nate to say, and for a handful of other people in my life to say, I know there's something more than this. I don't know shit, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I'm, I'm like a professional doubter. I just have this way of breaking everything down. And, and the, the, what's his name? Sadhguru. He says the intellect is like a knife and in your, your, it's only good to cut things, you know, to dissect things. I love it's that. A, it's, a, it's a great point. It really resonated with me. I don't know how to get away from that because I feel like a, I'm standing behind the knife. I feel like I am the knife in a way. Sure. But it's it's uh, something I, I, my wife and I, um, 
we I don't want to say we disagree, but we we have yeah we we have disagreements. It never devolves into an argument. We do, we just have discourses on on you know like for me science. She always says to me, "Oh, you don't believe in science," and I get kind of pissed off because I totally believe in science. You know, when I get on a plane to fly across the country, I know it's engineering that. And, and science that means I'm going to most likely arrive at my destination, you know, and I, I, I use science in my, my physical training and I understand certain sport elements of sports science and, and how to train. And, uh, you know, I'm, I know that this computer we're speaking on is science is the underpinning of it all, right? Like I'm, I'm a huge proponent of science and I think that it's done wonders for human beings, but mm-hmm. also that, that line you just said to me, uh, that the intellect is only good for one thing, and that's cutting things. It's a, it's a similar thing with science. The intellect and science are so inextricably linked, and you get certain people who can't go beyond that. They cannot see. They cannot just say, "Okay, science and that method of looking at the world is a tool, and it's one lens that I can view the world through," right? And and for them, that becomes the only lens. But there's many ways to experience the world and engage with the world, and. I really believe that the most actualized human beings are able to use multiple multiple of those lenses, right? So I think for you, once you have that becoming invincible experience, everything will change. And you'll be able to say, okay, now I'm looking with the eyes of science, or I'm looking with the intellect, or I'm, mm. I'm cutting, or I'm demarcating and compartmentalizing. But you'll also be able to shift into the other mode where you just know, fuck, there's something, there's something behind all of this, an energy, a spirit, like a, a power that I cannot put into a box it's bigger it's bigger than that right and to me that's that's the sign of when i talk to people on that level that's when it gets interesting for me not that just the crazy hippies who are only connected to the you know like the source right and not just the richard dawkins character dawkins characters who are like you know so fucking scientifically minded and rational thinking it's when you find the nexus point of of those two that i i really believe you have the the truly actualized human being and the, the person who can have the really fucking cool conversations. So hopefully you're going to get there very soon. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder, uh, I mean, me and Nate were talking about it uh, just before you, you stepped into the conversation, but like, I wonder if we can get there without something like ayahuasca. I mean, if it works and if it's healthy and beautiful and, and all of these good things, and even there's a community, there's a huge community aspect to it, or just like a human kind of, tribalistic benefits you know if you will like is is there is there even a need for is there even a need for this question you know like if if ayahuasca can get me there should i just go with ayahuasca like are there other plant medicines that you're a proponent of or can i just meditate Um, myself into this understanding i think you could just i mean i think i think you could definitely meditate uh just and meditation is probably i don't want to say the better way of doing it but the more traditional yeah, you, there's there's many other ways. I mean, you go and, and do a vipassana retreat, like a silent meditation. You can get to that point as well, right? Like, to me, ayahuasca is just a pretty fast road, um, and a, and a pretty. I know it's effective, and and like it works for pretty much everyone if they take a strong enough dose. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't think it's a prerequisite. I think that um, you know, even you even reading certain things and even being given fresh perspectives is often enough to open or unlock that ability or that, that or give you the, the ability to use that lens in your mind. You know, sometimes that's why people can be enlightened just being around a, a master, right? Osho would say, say to his students, 
just by being in my presence, not even listening to what I say, just by being in my presence, I will transform your consciousness, right? And I don't know about you, but sometimes I can I can pick up a book and after reading that book, my experience of the world is totally different. It's just, it's changed my perspectives and my perception. So I, I think like, no, you don't need ayahuasca, but man, it's such a powerful tool. Why not use it if you have it at your disposal, right? And yeah, I would love to add to that, that also in our current state as a society, as a global society, is that we are super disconnected with 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 ourselves and in our souls. And ayahuasca is really a guide that, yeah, the meditation route can work, but I think it's like we have a sickness for the most part, not everyone, but collectively we're living in a sick society and this is the medicine for that solution. You know, we need... It's not that we, 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 we can progress there in 20, 30 years, 40 years of practice meditation, but I think we all need to kind of open that, that gate again and reconnect with soul and self because it's so lost right now and you see it in our, what's manifesting into reality, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes, you know, there's a... Um, someone wrote, I can't remember who it was, but they said ayahuasca is like, using a crowbar to open your third eye right and sometimes like sometimes you fucking need the crowbar right some some of us are so lost in our ar ego but also in the narrative that the the modern western industrialized world puts out and i don't want to i don't want to make it clear that i'm not knocking modern life i think it has a load of positive things and i don't want to go fucking live in the jungle and you know like use leaves to wipe my ass and all you know like i I love modern life it's great but it's come with certain drawbacks like you said we a lot of us are very disconnected and um if there's a tool that can just fucking snap you out of that disconnection like ayahuasca fucking i'm all for it why why would you limit yourself yeah good point and it's funny you mentioned vipassana because i I, we've both done vipassana and um i remember it does bring you to that state but look what you have to do to get there and not everyone's willing to commit a 10 day or I did a 10 day for example but I know there's 40 days and there's even longer where mm-hmm. not everyone's willing to just put their life on hold for that period of time and be silent and really just experience it you know but mm-hmm. if if you Maybe decide can't even sometimes. yeah but if you decide yeah. to do a vipassana it definitely can get you to those kind of states which is uh it's also kind of mind-blowing that just sitting in silence mm-hmm. for eight to ten hours a day will will unlock something so deep inside you know and and to be honest like you you, what i've realized is that sitting in silence for five minutes a day can do it right all you need is that one little taste that one little experience of okay i'm not my thoughts right there is there's like an energy there's a source out there like a that uh you know that that's greater than me and you connect with it once you open that window just a crack and then the process starts, right? Like, so, I mean, to anyone listening, I would say if this is the kind of thing that interests you, you'd, it can be kind of overwhelming to think, okay, I've got to go to Peru and fucking drink the Tura-laced ayahuasca to get to that state, or I've got to go and sit in a, a yoga posture for 12 days and not speak in a silent meditation. You don't, right? You don't. Like, take start with little steps, right? And don't get me wrong, if you can do those things, great. You'll just speed up the process. But even just... 15 20 minutes of meditation a day or just you know just starting with these little steps and you'll you'll get there for sure yeah man it sounds like um 
it sounds like a breakup a little bit. Like I like a couple months ago, my girlfriend broke up with me, and it's like I have this comparison where it at first you just kind of see the pain. You know, like when I when I first did my when I did my first ayahuasca ceremony, it was very it was intense, but it was a very good set and setting, and I just felt able to kind of express that I felt this lighter ability to sit and to to be in presence and to just it was beautiful and I was excited about it I'm sure you know what I mean and and then there was this kind of depression after because the truth hit me that I've been treating myself a certain way for a long time and because I had this presence I couldn't run away from it anymore mm-hmm. and it it kind of it took time but like when you said the word crack, like you, you get these things that crack you open. Those are painful moments. But once it's open, it's open. And you get these additions, you know, these these bricks. It, it could be Vipassana. Whatever I did before Vipassana helped Vipassana become deeper. I'm sure Vipassana helped the ayahuasca ceremony integrate itself deeper into me. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it takes moments. Sometimes it takes months or years but there's something to be gained, maybe no matter what you do, just because you're kind of pointing towards trying to awaken. Even if you're not mm-hmm. sure what you're reaching for, you're just trying to kind of wake up. And I, I don't know. I, I just, I, I'm starting to take comfort in that, you know, into mm-hmm. just being like, I'm trying, let's see what happens. And, and I'm getting the fruits. I think that's what's helping me be in that comfort is to say, I can practice for five minutes a day and the consistency becomes the strength instead of these shocking moments. I don't need to sure. dunk myself in the lava, so to speak. Yeah, well, with, with I mean, this is a completely unrelated, to- well, I guess, no, it's a totally related topic in a way. You know, with, with me, each year I kind of pick a couple of themes that I, I um. I used to used to set goals, right? And I still kind of set goals, but I, I don't I don't beat myself up over them as I used to, right? Like. I just found that it wasn't really working for me to be so strict with myself and, and hard on myself with with regards to a certain set of goals. So now instead what I do is each year is I pick a couple of themes that I want to try to embody and, and internalize, right, and express. Um, and my theme for this year, I mentioned this on my own show, is consistency beats intensity, right? And and I've and I see that in, in business especially and, and with, mm. uh, yeah, with my different business projects, it's there's this, we have this tendency to want to do like, you know, pull 20 hour days for like, you know, and then do that for a month, right? Which is great. But if you operate at that level of intensity, sure, you often get a lot of things done, but you burn out very quickly. Like you crash, you like you go up and you crash and burn, right? And so for me, like, one of the things I'm doing now is, is just sticking to this idea of consistent daily action in smaller quantities. And I don't burn out, but over a period of time, a lot gets accomplished. So I think, Sammy, with you, yeah, just keep doing what you're doing. Keep meditating. Keep taking positive steps to become the person you want to be. And then, you know, like the Japanese call it Kaizen, right? Continual daily improvement results in massive change. One day you'll just wake up and you'll be that person you want to be, right? Like a, like a type of sadhana, like just taking a daily approach changing my life, really waking up and doing the things, even though it's not intense. You know, it's it's funny that you put it in that context. I, I think a lot of people are familiar with this, like uh, marathon versus a sprint idea, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. though it might be hard to uh, to do in practice because we, we get this insecurity and we, we try to extend ourselves because we, we can smell the, the victory sort of. Sure. But at the same time, I feel like 
there would be a benefit, like, like going back to something like ayahuasca, if I were to do a couple of ceremonies in one month, you know, or, or in like a shorter period of time, instead of waiting months or maybe even years in between ceremonies, I feel like there'd be a compounding effect. I feel like Definitely. I would be maybe exhausted or something, but yeah. <clears throat> there would be like a, like, you know, in, in uh, physics, they talk about how, you know, like the boiling point of water is 100 degrees. But it actually needs to go a little bit hotter than that. You can bring it back down and it'll still be boiling, but it needs to get over a certain energy level to break into that new state. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that applies with, with yeah. me, with people. That makes total sense. Yeah, there's, there's uh, something I've been noticing as well is um, so it's an interplay of these two ideas, right? The consistency, but there also needs to be periods of intensity, right? So and and But it's like human beings, I think one of the, big mistakes that I made is we're trained that it's got to be work, 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 but that's not what it works. That's not how it works in nature. Nature is alternating periods of work and rest, right? Work and rest. The wolf chases down its prey and then it rests for a day or two and then it chases down prey again. Right. So, so like these things, again, it's um one of the most important things I ever learned is that the sign of a powerful mind is the ability to hold diametrically opposed views at the same time or diametrically opposed ideas or paradoxical ideas. So there is this paradox that exists that you're going to need to take consistent daily action in small doses, but you're also going to need the fucking intensity every now and then, right? Like, and, and only you will un be able to understand at, at which point or, or how you need to... Um, Sorry, guys, I'm losing my thought here, but, but only you will understand how that interplay works best for you, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Right, totally. Yeah. I, I, I use this example in an old podcast we did, together, uh, we did together, but we repeat ourselves all the time, but it's it warrants to be said again. I use the stock market as an example for how consistency works, and yeah, it does its peaks, but it's like, just take Apple as an example. If you look at the 10-year chart, it's pretty much, it's a little wobbly, but it goes in a pretty much a straight line up. But then when you zoom into the five year, it gets a little bit more volatile. Then to the two year, it's a little bit crazier. And then if you zoom into the like one week, it almost looks like a penny stock. And then it just mm. so from the zooming in, it looks chaos. There's ups and downs. It's like this. But as you zoom out, you realize, holy fuck, this is going on this direction upwards. And that's how you can sure. apply it to your life, man. It's just there'll be moments where we do fucking amazing. Then we burn out or get super tired and we take two days off and then we go back into it. And then we do a half, half as much as we did last time and then more. But if the, if you're as long as the general trend is up, right? That's it. Exactly, man. Mm. You know, yeah, I love that. that's really cool. And it's amazing. You see these examples in everything that you look at that's successful. You look and nature is like you said, is one of the most it's. It's school in front of us. You can learn so much just from looking at nature and how it functions. Sure. Yeah. Laser, uh, I just I had the thought while you were saying that is we nature operates on this uh, on seasonality, right? And human beings, especially with the way we're trained, you, know, you go to a job. It does. There's no seasons in your job, right? Like think of a guy in a, an average dude in a corporate job. Sure, he has a holiday at the end of the year mm. for like a week. But otherwise, it's go, 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 like nonstop driving. And um, that's to me, it, it, it just doesn't make sense anymore. I read a, uh, I'm reading a fucking amazing book. It's one of those, you know, every now and then a book comes around and you read this thing and you're just like, I, I'm not the same person anymore. I cannot look at the world in the same way. And this book is called Necessary Endings by Dr. Henry Cloud. 
Mm. And in it, he uses that um, that seasons analogy a lot, right? He's, it's to say sometimes it's a season for harvest, sometimes it's a season for sowing the seeds, sometimes it's a season for rest. And as human beings, I think we we really need to internalize that and understand that. Fuck, man, it's so true. It's mm. that's so true. And we, that's a good book, guys. I, I cannot recommend that book enough. Necessary endings. It's, <laughs> he wrote it down. I read that book when I was twenty. <laughs> Sam, like, Sammy just wrote it down. Yeah, that's cool. Let me know how it goes, Sammy. I think you'll like it. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very curious because, I mean, personally, I have like a kind of nine to five on the side. And it's, I mean, already I have this mentality. It is on the side. This is something that brings me so much more passion and joy, something that kind of comes more effortlessly. And then suddenly I might have, you know, it's like semi part time. I might have three days off. I can take this kind of rest and go to ground. But then I might have six days of work coming up because it's and it just has to be done. There's no rhyme or reason to it. And even though there's study after study about how, you know, a, a 30 hour week might be better for, for most people's health. Yeah. If someone and has productivity the productivity as well. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. some people can do and want to do a 60 hour work week and, and other people fucking need like six, if I could work six hours a day instead of eight. Those last two hours kill me. And it's not the end of the world the first time, the second time, but it compounds. You know, like you mm -hmm. were saying about having this kind of Christmas break and then just kind of getting back to work. It might not even be a hard job, but it's this it's this lack of option that starts chipping away at your 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 resolve, at your humanity almost. You start feeling mm -hmm. like you're just a piece of the 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 the, the, the wall, you know, like uh, like Pink Floyd sure. would say. And yeah. and it, it it's it's like uh, it's not just crushing in a physical way, but in like an existential way. You you start believing that you're tired, that you need to get away. It's not just a, a physical reaction. It's like it just sucks, like on uh, in a in a deeper sense. And, and the cr the crazy thing is that the the people you work for, it's it's all born out of one simple understanding, and that is that it's again, it's a classic human misconception. We believe always more is better, more is better. So if I, if this guy's at, at the office for six hours, it'll be better for him to be there for eight, right? But the truth is, I'm sure, I mean, hopefully they don't watch this, but <laughs> I mean, if you're, if you're honest with yourself and them, that, that last two hours is not very productive at all, right? Like your productivity just probably tanks then because you're, you're tired and you're burnt out and you're like, and, and so, like, if they were smart, they would say to you, look, I don't care how fucking long you work, right? You can work four hours as long as you get the shit done that I need you to get done, right? Like, mm -hmm. I have several virtual staff that work for me, and I say that to them, like, I don't give a fuck. Like, you can work 20 minutes a day mm -hmm. if you can get the shit done. But if it takes you 10, it takes you, I, I don't care, right? Because to me, that just, it just makes more sense, right? Like, it, it's just a smarter way to, I don't know, it's just me. Oh, I think a lot of people agree with you. I think even like the science is out. That's why it's so frustrating for me. If and, and I would say just with my whatever, my life, my experience, my personality type, my physiology, if I had six hour days, I would do I would work seven days a week. No problem. Like that, that might sound crazy to someone else. But honestly, six hour days are a dream for me. And as soon as you get those extra two hours, like I said, it, it builds up and mm -hmm. it, it's whether they know it or not. Uh, and I'm sure they do, it would cost them money to to do a pilot project to see if it's worth it to see, you know, and then they'd have to make some kind of scheduling program changing so that uh, someone who can do who wants to do more hours can pick up the slack. It, it's it's a it's a big change. It's a shift 
it's it's like a paradigm shift you know it's it's essentially it's down to to dollars at the end of the day right yeah. so uh, yeah. i i know i know what i got into so i can't really blame them but uh and, and honestly it's the best job i ever had but it's at the same time mm -hmm. i feel like i have stockholm syndrome sometimes <laughs> and i just yeah. tell myself <laughs> nice. so I, I don't know what to do with that i i just I try it. to I try to look at it as a fun challenge and as like a spiritual challenge and there it's a platform it's a stepping stone you know there there there's there's always a better way essentially I think you you might relate with this what we're, what we're kind of getting at is that we can be idealists you know we can look at new information and say oh there's a better way why don't we implement it immediately and it's hmm. You know, capitalism is like molasses, you know, like things need to things need money for everything. Everything needs money and change even needs money now. And so it's there's no incentive to change. And I mean, the, the whole coronavirus thing is a good example of that, because a lot of people said this was coming. And then suddenly the experts were right. And it's like, well, fuck you. We don't care that the experts were right. We're wondering why didn't you listen to the experts in the first place? And the answer is it would have cost it would have cost money. Now it's costing you more money, but you mm. were just crossing your fingers that you never had to spend that that money. And mm -hmm. it's it's not ignorance. Or I guess it's a type of ignorance, but it's really like a greed. No, it's it's like so there's a there's a very interesting word that I became familiar with a couple of years ago called nescience. Oh, right? oh yes. You're familiar with that word, right? Yeah. Yeah, so it's nescience, right? Nescience is is different to ignorance because you know you know that what you're doing is wrong, right? Um, and so I think that the, yeah, that that plays into it a lot. For me, uh, what came to my mind while you were discussing that is um, this idea from a, a woman called Louise Hay. She's a she was she's passed away now, but she was a spiritual teacher. Which this one little idea really helped me a lot in everything I do. Which she said, whenever there's a problem. There's not something to be done. There's something to be understood, right? And I think what happens often is we think, especially as men, whenever something comes up, the solution is to throw more action or more time at it. But sometimes the solution is to just literally change your perception by, by getting new information and having a new understanding, right? So if I look at my business and there's some, there's a kind of a breakdown somewhere in a certain system or something isn't working, I don't take action. Right. Eventually I take action. But the first thing is I'm always asking that question, what needs to be understood in the situation? Well, or if I if I put on weight, right, I don't just go and start exercising. Right. Because I first stop and go like, OK, what needs to be understood? Hmm. Why? Why have I put on weight? Like, is there something changed in my diet? Is there is, is there a spiritual cause to this? Is there what you know what I mean? Am I being I first seek understanding and then take action? Right. And I think a lot of people get it the opposite way around they take action first and then they try to figure out what the fuck's going on 100 <laughs> percent. I see, I see that everywhere i see that even in my life in some aspects you know yeah it's you for the the smartest approach is to stop observe and really find out what's the cause otherwise you're just treating a symptom you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's a, reassessing yeah it's kind of it almost sounds like you're talking about taking responsibility like someone wants to fix the problem immediately but that's like a fear or ego response whereas if you actually say Okay, like I was, I was talking to a friend recently, and he's a wise guy, man. We had him on the podcast, my my friend Johnny, and Shout he out. said, he said, everything is eighty twenty. If you get hit by a car, it's eighty percent the driver's fault, but it's twenty percent your fault. That's an extreme case, but it's to say that there's a lot of responsibility that we can take in anything that's happening in our lives, and it, it's kind of it seems like kind of what you're getting at is like 
nothing is a problem uh, in, in this kind of victim sense where it needs to be fixed or it's, a, it's antagonistic to your goals. It's really just learning opportunity after learning opportunity, which, sure. which can sound a little cliche or cheesy, but it's the fucking truth. Yeah, it really is. And that's the first thing I do with all of my clients, you know, is in fact, before they even come become clients, when I'm when I'm when we're having an initial conversation to see if we can work together, the first thing I'm looking to see is can this guy take personal responsibility? Or is he is he a victim? Is he blaming everyone for his issues? And if he is, if that's the thing, in fact, I just was, I had a client the other day that I just said to him, I made a mistake, my gut was telling me, this guy, he's not he's not ready for this. And sure enough, when we started working, everything was an excuse why he mm. couldn't do this or he didn't want to do that. Or, And then I realized that this guy's never going to get where he wants to go because he hasn't yet taken full responsibility, right? So I, I agree with, with um, Johnny's his, uh, assessment. Yeah, like we are responsible largely for our experiences. Not totally. I don't think it's as cut. Some, there's some people who believe that every single thing that happens to you is based on some kind of energy you're putting out there or something you've done. And I did believe that for a while and I've kind of dialed it back a little bit. And now I think it's the vast majority of your experience is influenced by things you're putting out, but obviously certain things are still beyond your control and there is an interplay between yourself and the environment. It's not just you. Yeah. A lot of people have twisted uh, <clears throat> a really complex, but beautifully simple idea like karma, you know, like this idea, like they've turned it into a, a source of guilt. And I have a friend who, who I, I, I mean, I won't call him out, but he, he knows who he is. And uh, he just, random things can happen to him. And he, he, he asks out loud, is this my karma? That I, do I deserve this? What the fuck? Like it's, it's this why me um, sensation that he, that he is putting out into the world, you know? And mm -hmm. I, I'd, I'd love to ask you, um, I guess I'm kind of asking for advice because I am definitely one of these people. I, I hate to say it. And people like Nate have dragged me out of it, kicking and screaming. People like Johnny. And a lot of my own rock bottoms have forced me to, to wake the fuck up. But like, what do you do with someone like that? Especially someone like you who's so busy and just needs to get things done in their life and have to kind of put those people aside. What do you recommend? What do you hope for someone like that who, who is just uh, playing the victim? Sometimes I try to appeal to to their their sense of rational or their logical mind, and you know we all learned in school. Or I, I think most of us learned in school the idea of the lowest common denominator, right? So, to me, and I've seen this in my own life, like there was a, I ha I had two fallings falling outs with with different business partners, right? And so I realized, okay, there's a pattern starting to emerge. There's a lowest. There's a common denominator here, which is me. So I've got to start to ask questions about my own behavior, behavior and what I'm putting out and how that influences it. And I think what you'd find with a guy like that is it, that kind of thing doesn't just happen. He doesn't just have arguments or, or fights or uh, with one person, or he doesn't just lose one job. It's definitely a kind of a pattern, mm. right? That starts to appear in his life. And if you say to the dude, Hey bro, like remember the concept of the common denominator in school? Like, you look at all, I mean, but also, but some people are so far gone, they, they can't even accept that. It blows my mind when they'll, you know, everyone knows of like a, a person in their life who just, everything goes wrong. Everything fucking goes wrong. They fight with people. They're always, the world's against them, right? And then yeah. sometimes like 
you just want to shake them and say, fuck, dude, it's not the world. It's you. It's fucking you who's got the issue. It's you who's attracting all this stuff into your life. It's you who's putting this energy out. It's you who can't hold a job or you who keeps fighting with people. It's, and I think it's so difficult for some people to hear that and to realize and, and to shift, like to become the observing ego and realize that it's <laughs> and to get outside themselves. And that's another reason I, I think ayahuasca is so profound is because mm. it people like that when they take ayahuasca it allows them to get outside themselves it allows them to get away from that continual repetitive habitual set of thoughts and perspectives that they've been carrying like this weight on them their whole lives and it suddenly goes turns the camera on goes no dude like this is this is how it really is so i guess the answer is yeah appeal to the sense of rationale and if that's not enough then hold them down and pour a strong shot of ayahuasca into their mouth (laughs) (laughs) it's i love some mushrooms or something i love how you paralleled it with ayahuasca and that was a big vision for me one of my ceremonies was everything that happens in life it showed kind of like my decisions going alongside another train of of what's happening and we're both going together through life and our the most we can do in terms of going through life is resist or accept. And you have to keep going through life where you're going to resist what's happening to or accept what's happening to you and move forward through it. And it's really those two choices, those two coins that you get to choose. And I see so many people in my circle that just follow the resisting coin and path. And that's where all these negative things are happening because it's, it's almost like a, like a protective layer that they add on, but it's actually doing more harm than good. And what you resist persists, right? I yeah, love man. that expression. What you resist. I love that. You know, I had, I had an experience um, with ayahuasca recently, which is, I think, a, a very illustrates very well the power of that medicine and also what, what um, Sammy and I were just discussing. One of the reasons my I had a business um, partnership that, that broke down. Um, and, you know, I think we both played our roles. I, I assume 50% of the responsibility for that particular failure. And, and I think my business partner would say he also assumes 50%. Mm. But on my part, part of the, part of that that 50% was, you know, he was a family man. He had three kids and, and I don't have any children, right? And I could never really see his perspective on how everything he does or everything he did was ultimately to provide for these children and to keep them at a certain level of comfort and keep a roof over their heads. And, and, and my life isn't like that, right? Because, you know, it's just, I don't have children. I don't have people dependent on me. And mm. I got a, a cat two years ago. My wife gave me well, a year and a half ago. My wife gave me a little kitten for my birthday. Right. And, and, you know, I love this cat fucking, I don't want to say it's like my child, but it's the closest thing I have in my life to like a child. And I remember in my last ayahuasca experience, it showed me, like every day my little cat at a certain time, she comes into my little office and she jumps on the, on the couch and she wants me to play with her. Right. And I go and I tickle her and we like, we play these little, it's, it's cool. This little bonding moment we have. And it showed me, it showed me this, it showed me playing with my cat and showing that bond that was formed. Right. And, and it literally showed me the emotional connection that I have and how much I love that cat and what it means to me and how I'll do anything to protect it. And then it said to me, this is a cat right? It's not even a child and think that he has three children wow. right? and the bond that he has with them. And it, it really helped shift my perspective. And once I, like Stephen R. Covey, the author of um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he, this is one of my favorite stories because it changed everything for me, right? He said he was on a train somewhere um, and he, you know, that on a train, the seats sit opposite, you sit facing the, the, the other passengers 
And he said he was sitting on this train and sitting opposite him was a man with two young boys. And this man was just looking out the window, looking out into space, watching the scenery, just oblivious to everything. And these, these young kids were jumping on everything, like climbing over the seats, banging stuff. And Stephen Covey was, he was getting pissed off. He was like, fuck man, I'm trying to work. Like he's like, he's, he's, this guy has no respect for. Uh, hello? Did he cut off? Yeah, I think we lost him. <laughs> um, hmm. Nick, come back. We may have lost him. I'll be back. I have faith. Uh. Oh, I think we got him back. Hey guys, can you hear me? The perfect <laughs> time for me to show you. I have a mini version of the book uh, that you're talking That's about. Great. Oh, damn, Sammy. That's great. Again, so I don't know where we got cut off. So this guy on the train, and um, the the like, the kids are going crazy, and he eventually says something to the guy. He says, "Look, uh, can you please keep your kids quiet? Like this is unacceptable." And the guy like snaps out of his days and he says, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. Um, their mother died a week ago and we've just come from their funeral. Right. And then he said that lesson for him there was because he knew differently, he thought differently. And because he thought differently, he acted differently. Right. And so for me, I think it's really that, that understanding that you don't have all the information. Right. You don't have all the information about life. And so be very careful about when you act and try to to put yourself in the in the shoes of someone else. It's such an important skill. And the problem is with guys like us who are very self-reflexive, right? And very, I mean, I don't know if you guys have kids, but I, I would assume not. Not yet. Right, because no. you wouldn't have time to be recording a podcast <laughs> if you did, right? Definitely not. <laughs> with guys like us, is we're in our own little world and it's such an intense personal experience that sometimes it's difficult to get outside yourself. Right. Because we're so on our own little mission. Right. And kids cures you of that very, very quickly. But it comes with a whole bunch of costs and difficulties, which I personally am not prepared to pay. Yeah. Um, and so ayahuasca helped me by giving me that I, that it just shifting me outside myself and saying, OK, look at it from from his perspective. This is how he feels. This is what he has to deal with. And that is so powerful and wow. so important. And, and Sammy, I think that that's the solution. However, that person in your life who struggles like that they have to get to a point where they've been shifted outside themselves, whether it's plant medicine or whether it's someone slapping them across the face and saying, fucking wake up or whether it's, you know what I mean? They have to get to that point where they, they get a fresh perspective. Yeah. You can't show the path. They have to find it. You know, mm -hmm. you could show doors, but they got to go through the door. And I realized that too, through Vipassana, when I came back, I was so excited to tell all my friends like, Oh, you got to do Vipassana. You got to do, it's not how it works. It's not how it works. Sure. You know, you can tell them yeah. where a destination is, but they got to do the whole path to get there. Sure. I mean, I've got a friend like this guy. Fuck it. I've got loads of friends like this, but this one guy in particular, I know, I know ayahuasca will change this guy's life. It, it will make him so much happier. It'll make him face certain things that I know he has to face and go through then that are holding him back mm. and that are, a weight on him, dragging him down, dragging down his happiness and his 
his enjoyment of being human. Yeah. And every time I see him, I, I basically stop short of begging him. Yeah. I'm like, dude, you have no idea what this will do. And then I end up sounding like a crazy fucking <laughs> Jehovah's Witness going door to door trying to like, it looks I like I'm trying it. to sell him something. And it's, man, I'm not trying to sell him anything. I just know how much it'll help him. But he has to get, as you said, Nate, he has to get to that point himself. I know. And it hurts seeing that sometimes because I, I relate to that story you're saying, man. I see that in one of my friends. But you know what I realized? I was pushing. I was pushing. I was just like, just please. like. But that's not the solution. It's not the way to go about it. And it sucks. Inside it hurts. But you know, because you know this can alleviate someone from their pain and they're so caught up in their pain. But, the best... but at the end of the day, they like that's the thing is like my best friend actually he for years i wanted him to try ayahuasca for years like i was like man because he was unhappy and miserable for years and he just he was resisting and he had a bunch of beliefs about it that like scared him and he was resisting and resisting and then one day something happened like and he realized he could no longer run from himself and he called me up and he said okay bro like there's I've, there's nowhere else for me to go i'm out of options I'll, let me try it hmm. and it it helped him hugely wow. that's beautiful man Mm. it's such a powerful it. medicine you know it's and that's what it's called you know some people i tell oh it's just drugs no it's a medicine you know in peru it's their so, national medicine you know this is this has been practiced thousands of years it's for a reason it's here for us it's here to help us it, it makes me want to cry when someone's when someone says that oh, it's just drugs it, <sighs> it makes me want to yeah. cry like the the powers that be have done such an amazing job at marginalizing any sort of substance that can give you any sort of experience through the war on drugs. It's insane. That it's, it's, it's like people have, it's, it's a layer of armor, psychological armor that I had it as well. Truth be told, mm -hmm. uh, mine was a little bit different. Mine was the Christian, like anything that changes your consciousness is witchcraft or like evil, right? That was the thing I had to break through. But what the average person in a place like the United States or, or Europe has to break through is the idea that, you know, they have an image in their mind. Drugs are associated with a dude lying in a gutter with a needle in his arm or, you know, someone drinking too much and hitting his wife or another guy who develops a weed habit or sniffs too much cocaine off a toilet seat or whatever it is. Like, and so for them, it all just gets lumped into this one thing, drugs. That's drugs, right? And I try to impart to people the understanding. This is if we can educate people that the experience of going and doing plant medicine having a ritual, like spending weeks before thinking, what, what I, how do I need to change my life? What do I need to learn about myself? You know, doing a special diet, then going into this ritual with other people and drinking this special medicine and having this experience that is not easy. It's not recreational. It teaches you about who you are and the mistakes you've made and shows you where you've gone wrong and how you can do things better. And then afterwards, still like being focused and concentrated on the integration and how, and how you can be take these lessons you've learned and really use them to become a better person and a force for a good in the world. That experience is so far from what drugs or what people think drugs are that it's not, it's almost like they, they're two, they've come from two different dimensions. Like you cannot even, there's no overlap. There's just no overlap. They're not the same thing. It's like me comparing a motor car and a fucking a banana. They're just, they're just <laughs> totally doesn't... different things, right? And that's our job as people who proponents of the medicine. We have to we have to get that message through to people, and then they can make the decision, right? And and I realized early on, it's not by just saying it; it's by practicing what it's taught you and it, and it, shooting that out to the world in your day to day life. And that's mm -hmm. where 
those people that are super sheltered away from these ideas, they'll start scratching their head and be like, hmm, what are you doing that's different? Because something's obviously working. And then when that question starts getting asked, that's that little light bulb that, that pops in and then all yeah. of a sudden, you know? And I've seen that happen. I've, I've, Sammy came to ceremony. It's not because of what I've been doing or maybe it was, I don't know. But it's that light pops in people, you know? The truth wants to come out. You know, sure. And the truth what is our I meant truth. Was, um, he, he lives his life by, by one single expression, right? Which is, it's Latin, fidem vitae vitaro, which means you show your faith through the way you live, oh. right? And that is that is it, right? Like you just, you're a calmer, happier person who's more yeah. in touch with themselves, who's kinder to people, who creates more good things, puts more good things out in the world. Like, and then people, you, you're right, they sit up and they're like, okay, that guy's got something. Yeah. He's got something. And, and I'd like that too. And then you, That's if it. they talk to you, ask you about it, then you say, okay, yeah, well, this is it. Yeah, man. The, Agreed, med- right? the medicine serves us. And then that's our way to serve back to the medicine by living by what it's teaching. That's beautiful, sure. man. Uh, Nick, I want to I respect your timeline. Uh, it's up to you. Uh, we're at the one hour mark. Okay. I've, I, I can do another 15 to 17 minutes, guys. I love it. Take it. We could do another uh, three hours I, uh, if you wanted. <laughs> I love, I love, uh, I love what you guys are talking about because there seems to be this prevailing theme of. I mean, it's it's almost like a it's almost like you we have to respect the person's path and to ask the question for them to suppose for them is almost disrespectful, and for them to to live in a certain way, to. It's, it's easier. It's you, you take care of yourself, you better yourself, and then you exude this thing. And then the people naturally come to you with the question and then you may answer, you know, it's, it's the time and place for the question to be answered because it's being mm-hmm. asked in honesty. Whereas it's, it's almost like a, like those Peruvian finger traps, you know, it's like if you, if you try and try to, to kind of fuck with it, then you're just stuck and you're not getting anywhere. And the second you let go, it slips off. And, you're, hmm. and you go like, oh, shit, it's 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 tough that. because it's exciting because you feel like you find um, a, a catalyst or, or the answer or whatever. And, and that can be a little um, a, assumptive is the word. But it's it's it, it's I mean, I guess we have to learn that, too. You know, I, 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 I we we've all been there with ayahuasca, with uh, Vipassana, with whatever other psychedelic or, or, or technique or something. You want the world to to do it. And we've talked about it on the podcast. That instinct is another trick for you to stop looking inward. That instinct is another projection outward so that you don't have to keep working on yourself, because mm. like you were saying, these these drugs. I mean, it is still a molecule, an exogenous mm-hmm. molecule, but it's diametrically opposed with something like weed or or heroin because no one's gonna binge on ayahuasca. This is gonna reveal. <laughs> it's gonna show you stuff. You can't run away from from the realities. It shows you that you are a lineage, that you come from the earth, that you that you have a um, a sense of duty. It's not that you have a duty. You do or you don't based on your understanding. But once you realize mm-hmm. that sense of duty is there and that you want to embody it, that you want to live by it, then you start becoming happier with responsibility. Yeah. That is not what weed shows you. That is not what Harold <laughs> shows you at all. Sure. <laughs> you know, interesting. Yeah, no, I, I, that, that, it, it's a very interesting um, idea, Sammy, that, that you just shared with me, that that instinct to evangelize and experience actually is not necessary is, is a sign that you haven't really or partly haven't 
taken on board the teaching for yourself. And I, I really need to incorporate that for myself because I'm constantly trying to get people to drink Iowa constantly, <laughs> constantly. And I, it's worked a couple of times, right? And it's, <laughs> but generally, I mean, human beings, we're, we're kind of stubborn and we don't like to be pushed. And if you tell someone, oh, you should do this, their general instinct is to like resist against it, right? So I guess it's got to be one of my absolute favorite um, fables. Uh, it's one of Aesop, that that Greek philosopher um, slash storyteller. He's got a group, uh, a collection of fables. Um, one of them is this idea, this fable of the sun and the wind. So, so the wind goes to the sun one day and says, he sees a man walking with a coat on, and he says to the sun, "I bet you I can get that man to take off his coat before you." So the sun's like, "Okay, whatever." And then the wind starts howling and howling against the man, and the man just starts tugging his coat tighter and tighter, right? Like, and he he won't. The wind can't do it. The man's not going to give up his coat. And then the sun just smiles at the man, gently smiles at him. And the guy gets warm and he takes off his coat, right? And, and to me, I think that's such a powerful, powerful metaphor, understanding for pretty much everything in life is very seldom does that, like being the, that strong wind approach to anything work, like that, like pushing and grinding. And like, to, to me, I've just seen it over and over in my life. Like, sure, there's times when you have to work and you have to grind and you have to hustle, but that that spirit, that energy, I think is is not as amazing as people make it out to be. Yeah. Like Nate was talking about earlier, the difference between kind of accepting and resisting being like the only real or natural free will that we have. It's funny to think sometimes that the grind can be a form of resistance. Mm. It's, it's tough to wrap your head around that because like you said before, like we've just kind of been trained that more is always better, but we don't realize that, we're, we're, we're working with a, like a kind of natural law or like a finite resource. We need, it depletes. It, and it's, and, but sometimes you see, here's the, again, remember that the sign of a powerful mind is the idea is the ability to hold these contradictory or diametrically opposed, um, ideas. And sometimes the grind is good, right? Mm -hmm. But for me, it's all about the energy beneath the grind or the actions you're taking. If you're grinding morning to night, because you're so excited about your project and you're having fun and you just don't want to stop and you're being driven by this ideal and you're just, it's, it's just flowing through you. Fuck the grind is the best possible thing. That's the best thing you can happen. But if the grind is driven by another energy, which it is in 95%, I'd say 99% of the people, which is impatience, right? Or fear. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Then that energy ripples through everything you're doing. One of my absolute favorite understandings was that I came to a couple of years ago is that what is the root of impatience? Do you guys know? Do you like? Do you have an idea? The root of the root of impatience. That's a good question. The root I'm of sure impatience. We, we can is get the there. Fear, yeah. <laughs> it's the fear that you won't get what you want. That's the only reason people become impatient is they're worried or they're afraid that they're not going to get what they want. And if you internalize that for a second, just stop for a second and think about that. Whenever you've been impatient in life, it's because underlying that you worried that you're not going to get what you want. And that usually keeps you as far from what you want as possible. Like think of women, right? When you get like you want to you meet a, a cool, a great looking woman at the bar and you have this great connection and you really want to sleep with this check, right? You want And so you get impatient and you want to make it happen. As soon as you because you're worried like, oh, she's going to get away. As soon as that energy enters into it, it's gone. 
she feels it and it's gone. And it's life so is true. exactly the same. It's so true. Life is exactly the same. Yeah. As soon as you come to something with an energy of impatience or greed or or that energy isn't clean, even if you do get it, it will never be rewarding. It will come with a set of costs that are gr far greater than the reward. And so for me, my whole thing about the way I move through the world is I'm trying to find the energy within myself and, and get that energy clean and healthy before I move move forwards, if that makes sense. It does. Yeah. I, 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 I'm, you're making me think of this meme that I see online. It just circulates every now and then. And it's like, it's more or less, it says, how come every time I'm angry, my shirt gets caught on a doorknob? <laughs> and, it, and it's like, yeah. It's this simple but beautiful, uh, like, like it's the same thing you're saying. You're, you're putting out this energy and you're, you know, in a simple way, you're walking fast, you're not paying attention. And then the thing that could annoy you further is created by your, your, your already like flowing state of sure. annoyance. Sure. It's, 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 I just discussed, funny enough, I just discussed this on my show yesterday. I had a guy on and, and he was talking about, he's been spontaneously, or not spontaneously, but he's developed the ability to enter into flow states almost at will. And what I said to him is that I kind of, I've done it as well, but it's because I actually was entering into the opposite of that, these negative states where my shirt would get caught on the doorknob, right? And mm. and I noticed that things like that only happened when I was listening to that monkey mind or chattering or, or having some sort of negative thought or not present, right? And I really am a big believer that most accidents, physical accidents in the world, happen because of lack of presence. Whenever I stumble or trip or bump into something or cut my finger, invariably it's because I was somewhere else or I was angry with someone and thinking about what a fucking asshole they were or it's I've gone to that place in my mind that causes that thing to perpetuate, right? And so what I realize is if that exists, if there's a state of mind that can attract all these shitty things to me, there must be a, a, cor a corollary of a positive version of that that can attract me a less frictionless experience and a, a more flowing nature of way or, or way to move through the world. And so everything I'm trying to do is move towards that one and away from the other, right? I don't always get it right, but that's the basis of, of my work and what I feel I'm here to do. Fuck yeah, man. It's just a perspective <laughs> shift. It starts like that, you know? It's, I notice that in my life is when I, if I go down this spiral of um, self-sabotaging patterns, whether it's diet or lack of training or all that, then everything seems to be just against me. But then if I start changing one thing, I'll be like, okay, I'm going to take control of my diet. And then all of a sudden I want to exercise more. And then all of a sudden I'm talking to more motivational type of people and, and starting to look at more motivational stuff instead of just watching like a mindless TV show. It's just everything mm -hmm. starts to form into this lifestyle that it's just because you just tuned your perspective, you know, and it, mm -hmm. the more you follow that perspective, it just magnifies as it gets bigger and bigger. Mm -hmm. yeah. Totally agree with you, man. Yeah, man. That, I resonate mm. so much with that. That's beautiful. That's cool. Yeah, I, I think you guys will really enjoy that episode of the show um, with my friend Eddie. He goes deep into it and, and a lot of what he says makes a lot of sense. And again, it's all tied. It's, it all ties together, like you said, Nate. Like the way to get into those states is to meditate, yeah. right? Or do things like ayahuasca or plant medicine that help you unravel the knot that is causing those negative thoughts, right? Yeah, to man. bring it back to to um, what we spoke about yeah. in the beginning. And um, you know what, guys? I think that might be a good place to end. It's a great place I'm, to end it, man. Uh, yeah. Um, what a pleasure speaking to you guys. It's, it's really, I felt the, the meeting of the minds. Um, that was really cool. Dude. I, Likewise, man. Really I, appreciate your time. I just, Fuck For me, it, just a surreal moment that looking into this whole path and 
trying to get deeper into my mind was you were a part of it and now it's coming kind of like a full circle but in a different place sure. so i it's appreciate talking yeah. to you brother appreciate that guys thank you guys damn and uh, i learned something from well, quite a lot from you guys today as well so i want to thank you both for that sweet brother if you just uh, want to plug in anything for where people can follow you or anything you're doing uh feel free we'll put it in the description too but if you want to just link someone to sure. something yeah guys um so i'm coming out with a book called aligned actually um and it's i'm going to give it out for free on my website it should be ready within a couple of weeks so if you go to liberationmentor.com forward slash aligned and just put in your email there you'll get uh, a copy of the book when it's ready and also you'll i'll let you know when my new podcast and, and all my new content comes out so um i guess that's the best place for you to go if you're interested in my work and, and what i do nice brother all right man cool guys thank you thank you guys Thanks, take care brother <laughs> take care have a good one peace